0: In the current state of affairs throughout the world, there seems to be a constant tension concerning the threat of war. So the question arises, what should be the Christian response to war? Well, stay with us as we discover what the Bible says about this issue and many others as well. How
1: firm, how firm, how firm
0: Listening to the question and answer program of Through the Bible Radio Network with our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, whose answers for over 30 years to the questions of his many listeners have been preserved for the teaching of generations to come. Our first question for today is from a listener in Raleigh, North Carolina, who writes Could you please give scripture references which pertain to the Jews' return to Palestine? I've always been taught that they are to return in unbelief and will be converted after their return. When you say that this present migration is not the fulfillment of prophecy in the days before the rapture, you take away my hope of his coming soon.
1: Well, first of all, let me go back now and read several scriptures that reveal that the Lord is going to gather them back into the land and that this present return is certainly not the fulfillment of it. Now, let me turn to Jeremiah 23. You give that passage, and I'm going to read that one, uh, not read the others. It says, And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries whither I have driven them, and I will bring them again to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds over them, "...which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I'll raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, Israel shall dwell safely, and this is his name." whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. That is, Jehovah Sidkenu. Verse 7, Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that they shall no more say, The Lord liveth, which brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but the Lord liveth, which brought up and which led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country and from all countries whither I driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. Now, this is a return back to the land that is, to begin with, a miraculous return. They return in belief because if they don't return in belief, they are converted the minute they get there because we find that this will take place at the coming of Christ. He will return them to the land. Now, will you notice this? It says here that they'll no longer say the Lord liveth that brought us out of the land of Egypt. They're going to now remember this return because it's going to so far supersede and transcend the time that he brought them out of the land of Egypt. Now, the oldest religious holiday or holy day is the Passover. And today, all Israel remembers that. And they hearken back to the time that Moses led them out of the land of Egypt. Now the day's coming, God says they're going to forget that because I'm going to bring them back into the land in a more miraculous way. Now I don't see how under any circumstances you could say that this present return answers to that. It just does not. From the moment they became a nation in 1948 down to the very present moment, war broke out the day they were declared a nation. And that war has gone on ever since they have not known one minute's peace in the land. Now, God says, when I bring them back, each man's going to dwell on his own vine, under his own fig tree, and none shall make him afraid. They're afraid in that land. They're not dwelling back there in peace. Overhead of the plains patrolling And soldiers are everywhere. They have not returned according to that. Now let me answer you put a second question in there. You say that when I say these things that I rob you of looking for the Lord to come for his church. Did you know that the Lord's coming for his church is not tied to this at all? And that if you are looking at this, you're not really looking for the Lord. You're looking for signs. And there's no sign given to it we are told, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, really, are you looking for him to come? Are those signs over there impressed you? And for that reason, may I say to you, and I say it kindly, you really are not looking for him to come if you're looking for signs. You're looking for signs. You're not looking for him. Start looking for him and forget about the signs. Get occupied with the person of Christ. It'll make this lots more meaningful to you, I can assure you.
0: The same listener has a second question asking, if Job was not a Jew, then who wrote the book?
1: Well, if he wrote in the time of the patriarchs, and there's some that think that he did, then he would not be a Jew because there were no Jews then at all. You see, the Jews come from Abraham. They're in that line. Now, if it was written later in the time of Moses, and some think Moses wrote the book of Job, then may I say to you that he could have been a Jew. If Moses did it, he was a Jew. If Job wrote it, and I think he did, then he could have been a Jew. I don't think he was, however, but that actually is beside the point. Now, you cite to me Romans 3, 2 that says the oracles of God were committed to them. That doesn't mean that a Jew wrote every book. That's not what it says. It means that the book of Job was in their books. They were custodian of it. Now, as to Dr. Luke, there is a question of whether he is a Jew or a Gentile. I have felt both ways. I felt that he was a Jew. I feel now that he was probably a Gentile. And if not a Gentile, a Jew that actually had been trained in the schools of that day. And he was a doctor, of course. So that actually that's beside the point. They are the custodians of the oracles of God. That is, actually the canon of Scripture came down from them. Now, the New Testament, of course, was not assembled by them as a nation. In fact, they were very much against it. I do not think that all of that is there. The verse you're using, you're pressing it just a little bit too much, too far. And by the way, back in your question that you asked about these scriptures, we are told also in Hosea, and by the way, all the prophets talked about their return to the land. But Hosea in the third chapter, he says, "...the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, without a prince." without a sacrifice, without an image, without an ephod, and without teraphim. And that's their position today. They're without all of these things. All they have in Jerusalem are synagogue. They don't have a temple in Jerusalem at all. Now, Hosea says in verse 5 of chapter 3, Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God, And I assume that they're returning to the land to seek the Lord. They have not returned to that land today to seek the Lord. They've returned to that land to get away from persecution. That was under Hitler at first, and now it's under Russia today and other places in the world. And communism, they are returning on that basis They will return, seek the Lord their God and David their king, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. I don't think we've quite arrived at that period that's known as the latter days or the last days. I think it's a technical term in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament. And it begins with the great tribulation period. So I don't think we're quite there.
0: Our next question comes to us from a listener in Warrendale, Pennsylvania. He writes, Do you think the Bible promises Christians deliverance from mental illness of all forms? The scripture I refer to is Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. If you follow the formula given here in this passage, will you still need to take medication for your problems?
1: Well, I think the first thing that we probably ought to do is to go to Philippians, the fourth chapter, and read the verses that you are resting on in this particular connection. And I begin reading at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And those are the verses that you are resting on for your healing. First of all, let me say that the Bible does not promise Christians deliverance from any kind of illness. When you become a Christian, that's not an inoculation that you won't have Cancer, or you won't have some other disease because that's not it at all, and mental diseases would be included in this, so that to begin with, today, especially on television, there's so many of these programs that are offering people not only healing for physical diseases, healing for all kinds of mental diseases, and also success in business and also success as a social Lion, you'll just become the life of the party if you become a Christian. Well, that's not true. The primary purpose of Christianity is that Christ died for our sins to keep us from having to go to hell. That's the reason. That's the primary reason. And He does not promise healing. Now, I believe in praying for the sick. The Bible says to. And if it's God's will, He'll heal. And this idea that you can command God and make him sort of a messenger boy or a doctor that you pay so much to to heal you, and yet the doctor you pay to doesn't guarantee to heal you, but some people think that this is true. So I would say to you that I trust the Lord will deliver you, but I do not see any promise in the verses that you are using there at all. I think that we can take care. I don't think it means mental diseases at all. When he says that we are to be anxious about nothing, then the reason for that is the problems, the daily problems of life, and even our sickness, even your mental sickness. Turn it over to the Lord, but be willing to accept His will in answering it. And it's only on that basis that the peace of God can enter into our hearts. And I think that when you turn your problem over to the Lord, then need not be anxious about it. It's in the hands of your heavenly Father. He's going to answer it, but he'll answer it his way, not your way. You see, God's answer to many prayers is no. And we don't like to take no from the Lord. We think that all we got to do is to say, look, Lord, I want to be a success in business. It's up to you to make me a success. Then we can forget about it. It just doesn't work that way. That's not what Paul's talking about here at all. And for that reason, I feel like that you put confidence here that is not warranted by the verses. Now, it may be the Lord will deliver you, But this has to rest upon his will for your life. And I'll be very frank with you. That sometimes is hard to accept. I'll be very frank with you. In the matter of cancer, I've prayed to the Lord that I not die of cancer. I don't want to die of cancer. I've asked him, but I have no assurance that he's going to answer the prayer. I do know this. He's going to do it his way, and he wants me to trust him. And if you can get to the place where you can trust your Heavenly Father, He knows best. And I'm sure that that's the way that you want to trust Him. And I trust He will give you deliverance.
0: Let's turn our attention now to a question from Huntsville, Alabama. The listener writes What kind of body will we have after we die if we are recognizable by others? You frequently refer to the grave as our body passes on to dust from where it came. Paul speaks about the resurrection of the just, when we shall have an incorruptible body. So then, do we have an unrecognizable body until the resurrection?
1: Well, may I say to you that at the Mount of Transfiguration, why Elijah was there and so was Moses and the three apostles... James and John and Peter, they all recognized them, never seen them before, and yet they knew who they were. I think that you'll not only know other people, but you're going to know everybody in heaven without being introduced to them. I think that's going to be one of the wonders and glories of heaven. And far as being able to recognize them by the bodies, I think that our bodies are going to look very much like the ones we have now. I think there's going to be a great deal of improvement, and some of us could stand a little bit of improvement. And I feel that this is no problem at all. So many people seem to worry about, as you seem to be worried about, that your body's put back in the grave and it returns to dust. How in the world is it going to get back like it was before? Well, the Lord did it the first time, and you're what you are by the grace of God. And if he did it one time, he'd be able to do it again. So I don't think you need to worry about that at all. I think you're going to know everybody in heaven. That's going to be one of the wonderful things about it. And the thing of it is, they're going to know you. The thing that's going to be wonderful about heaven, really, friends, is not that I'm going to love everybody there. But everybody there is going to love me. That's going to be heaven when I take place.
0: Now for the final question of the day, it comes to us from a listener in Toledo, Ohio. She says, I tend to be a pacifist, especially when it comes to wars, fighting, and quarreling. If I'm a born-again Christian and I've put all things behind me, like immorality, impure passions, evil desires, greed, and anger then how could I in all sincerity go out and return evil for evil by killing someone in an act of war?
1: Well, I think that you have built up a philosophy of life that is entirely foreign to the Scripture, and yet you have pulled out of Scripture certain verses, but you have forgotten that you are not only a citizen of heaven, but you are a citizen of a country down here. And let's go back to the very beginning. The scripture says, thou shalt not kill. And so many use that for not going to the war. They say, well, it says thou shalt not kill. They use it for capital punishment. Thou shalt not kill. But that very commandment says, and is based on what God said to Noah, whosoever sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. So God has given to government an authority. And when you go to put on a uniform and go to war, it's not that you're blowing somebody's head off because you hate him. He might be a person that if you knew him, you would like him very much. But it's a question now of the survival of your government, of whether your government is right in fighting a just war. I think that those men in the Revolutionary War that fought against Great Britain and wanted to be free, I think they were fighting for a cause and fighting as a government. It wasn't that they hated the British personally because most of them had relatives over there. They'd come from over there. So you couldn't say that they went to war because of bitterness, a hatred in their heart. There was not that. Now, the scripture, and you need to put a few scriptures with the ones that you're using. Your responsibility as an individual Christian is one thing, but your responsibility as a citizen of a nation is something also that needs to be recognized. You say, well, is that scripture? Well, will you listen? In Romans 13, now we're talking about Christian conduct. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation, that is, judgment, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Now, may I say to you that you and I have a responsibility to our government, and we have to pay taxes. I don't like to pay taxes, and I'm opposed to the tremendous taxes that we're all having to pay today. And I'm for... Even lowering them much more, and I'm for government today. quit putting up all these great buildings and having all of these different departments functioning that are absolutely nonessential and certainly for taxpayers who are overburdened today, but nevertheless, we have to pay taxes even in a corrupt government and I think it's been very unfortunate that we fought in Vietnam and did not fight to win the war. I judge from information that is coming out now that we could have won that war without using an atom bomb. We could have won that war in a week's time if we'd have wanted to. And I think it is tragic to let 50,000 American boys die over there. And I think that The presidents during that period and our Congress are responsible before God for what they did. It was an awful thing that they did. Now, may I say to you, though, you and I have a responsibility to our government. And so I trust that the next time we fight a war, it'll be for a just cause and that it will be to win the war. That's the reason you go to war, is to win it. There's a cause, and there ought to be the right kind of cause. Unfortunately, I'm afraid the past few wars that we fought was not for a great cause, and yet it was to make the world free for democracy in World War I. What a joke that turned out to be. And we were going to deliver the world from Nazism in World War II. And what did we do? We delivered the world over to Communism. And it was like Tweedledum and Tweedledee. One's just bad as the other. May I say to you, I feel that at the top, we haven't had the best leadership that a government should have. And all of that, yet you and I have a responsibility as a citizen to our government. And today, if a war should break out and we were attacked, I'm confident that at this hour, that with the feeling as it is, Many would not take up arms, but I do believe that every Christian would have a responsibility to defend his country. I believe that is scriptural. So your argument is actually not valid at all, because as a Christian in your own personal life, that's one thing. But when your government is attacked, your country is attacked, you need to defend your country. You're acting as a minister of God to execute justice in the earth. Now, I think that there's been a lot of screwball thinking, especially since the Vietnam War and during the Vietnam War. I heard so much of that, thou shall not kill. Well, did you know that that was to the individual? And when the individual in that day murdered, you know what happened to him? He was stoned to death. God believed in capital punishment. And he did it to protect human life. And human life is not being protected today when you can't walk the streets at night. And when so many people are being murdered, murder is one of the big crimes of this country today. And why? Well, they can get by with it, and they ought not to. God says that if you take a human life, you're to surrender yours. You have no right to take a human life because you can't give it. Only God can give. And God can take it away, you see.
0: And with that answer, we need to bring our program to a close. We hope that God's ministered to your heart, your soul, and your mind through Dr. McGee's answers to these questions. If you've never contacted us, maybe to share how this program has blessed your life, then we'd like to ask you to take a moment right now to write and tell us that you're listening to the question and answer program. And as you take the time to write, whether it's today or sometime during the next few weeks, we ask that you would also remember us in your prayers. You know, your faithfulness in prayer and your willingness to contribute financially to this ministry are what is really the backbone of the ongoing work of Through the Bible Radio. We want to thank you for your help and ask that you would continue to keep it up. For those of you who'd like a copy of today's broadcast in a CD format, it's available for ordering when you contact one of our service operators or visit our online bookstore. If you've been enjoying Dr. McGee on this question and answer program, you should take the time to hear him on our weekday broadcast of Through the Bible Radio, heard on this station. We'll be continuing his five-year journey through the whole Word of God, book by book, and chapter by chapter. If you find that you have a great desire to study the Word of God, and we certainly hope that you do, and you'd like to follow along with us using Dr. McGee's notes and outlines, then we'd like to suggest that you request to be placed on our mailing list. When you do that, you'll not only get the notes, but our monthly newsletter and a bookmark, which has the suggested readings for each day of our study. To contact our offices to get on the mailing list, to purchase any of our resources, or to express your interest in this ministry, call 1-800-65-BIBLE, Monday through Thursday from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. Pacific Time, or write to Questions and Answers. For those in the U.S., Box 7100, Pasadena, California 91109, in Canada Box 25325, London, Ontario N6C 6B1, or find us online at ttb.org. Now we pray that God will answer all your questions and solve all your problems. This program has been brought to you by the faithful friends and supporters of the worldwide ministry of Through the Bible Radio Network.